The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, and I'm here as always with Mike, and we're going to discuss a banger of an episode of Dynamite. I like this trend. We've had two really good episodes in a row. Mike, kick us off. Stock up, stock down. Yo, MJF aimed too low when he said he wanted to be a professional wrestler. This guy's an actor. (laughs) This guy should be in Hollywood because that was one of the just best promo segments I've ever seen, Joel. Just just, wow. Just wow. (laughs) Like, like, there was so much on this show. And for us to be talking about another MJF promo, it just blows my mind. But to kind of summarize it, if you didn't watch it, basically he was like... I was bullied. I had ADHD. I dealt with anti-Semitism. Uh, and when I needed CM Punk, he left us. He left the WWE, WWE. He left wrestling. And God damn, dude, what a manipulative fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it's, it's hard, like, not to, like, want to be in his corner after that promo. That was a sensational promo. And I think... You know, I, I, I've i heard some of those things before. Like, I know there's a lot of realism to the story that he told. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it's something very relatable because when you're a kid, you know, and especially as, as a kid who was bullied by other kids, you do have those people that you idolize and look up to. And, you know, when you're feeling down the whole like, oh, it's okay, I get to do this thing and see this Mm -hmm. person that's going to make me feel better. And like, I I distinctly remember like uh, kids throwing rocks at me and I went home crying and like my dad brought home a new video game later that day. And it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all going to be okay. Like my life is not actually over. I can get past this. And that kind of relatable story that felt very real and very true is how you like get over as a baby face. And and you could hear it in the crowd as they're like booing and booing and booing. (laughs) And then it's like, wait a second. Like, no, this is not a bait and switch. He's not about to turn around and clown the crowd and talk about how much he hates them and you know insult everybody no he is saying like i am like all of you like we all love professional wrestling we all have a passion for professional wrestling and as soon as the crowd realized this was not a bait and switch they started cheering him and that is wild that is wild but here's the thing joel it could still be a work. <laughs> like, like this is wrestling. It could be next week. It could be a revolution where this is revealed to all be a farce. And I think that's what makes this so compelling is because he's been such a shit bag for so long in his AEW career. Why the fuck should we and kayfabe believe him? <laughs> like, like the doubt is there. Um, I saw a really good Reddit post about this whole segment um, earlier today, basically talking about like if you've been in an abusive relationship, this technique that MJF is doing after years of being an asshole and just kind of throwing in some real, you know, potentially real uh, things to make them look, you know, sympathetic or vulnerable. 
it's it, it, it's a technique people use to manipulate people. So it could be that too. Like he's just he's he's got the crowd in the palm of his hands. And you know when they were talking about this segment backstage, he probably was saying they're gonna love me by the end of this because what MJF wants the crowd to think, he gets the crowd to think. I mean, I agree with that to an extent, but I think there was an incredibly high degree of vulnerability in a promo like that because you don't know for certain that you're going to get the crowd to turn it around and get behind you. And it took a long time, longer than I expected for them to stop booing him as he's talking about being bullied and experiencing anti-Semitism and people throwing rolls of quarters at him. Like, Mm -hmm. That's that's a pretty high level of violence. Like that's those are heavy. That's gonna hurt. And then to add on to it the, you know, the anti-Semitic remarks on top of it. And at that stage, the crowd is still booing him. <laughs> well, we've been we've we've seen him be a punk ass asshole for for so long. Like Wait, I get I, it. I get like, that. I get that. But like, there's a, there's a level of vulnerability there, and not knowing for certain is this gonna work. I mean, and how many times have we heard the story of a high profile uh, wrestler who has a huge following going to a big company and not knowing if the crowd is going to recognize them when they walk out of the curtain. Right. And it's like, you're freaking Keith Lee. Of course we know who you are. <laughs> of course we know all the chants and all of that, but there's still that seed of doubt and that vulnerability from the performer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what made this magical. Yeah. It, it was, it was just really well done. I, I felt like I was listening to like a, an episode of the risk podcast, you know, stories you never thought you'd tell, like it was so well done. And then the added benefit of CM Punk coming out at the end. And is this true? Like, and you could tell CM Punk is, he looks conflicted. He like, he looked like he cared about MJF. Like it was really well done. And it's a late twist to her feud, uh, that is supposed to culminate in two weeks. Um, it was, it was really special. It was really great. I, and the thing is, like, it could all be true. It could still be some weird fucked up motivation to tell the world. Like, that's what makes this so incredible in my mind is that, you know, you have half of Internet wrestling Twitter saying, did he just turn babyface?" You have the other half saying, no, no, fuck this guy. I can't trust him. Um, I, I texted you. I'm like, this proves he could be a babyface if he wanted to, because <laughs> Like we always talked about how Cody was really good at kind of connecting with the crowd and his promos um, in the early days of AEW. I will put this MJF promo against anything Cody Rhodes has done in AEW. It was that damn good. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what this means for the match. I don't know what this means for these two guys going forward. It, does CM Punk have a change of heart? Does he let up on him during their match at revolution. And that leads to, you know, MJF getting the win in nefarious way. There's so many options with this. And this is just, this was just a masterclass in storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've said before, I think I've said this on the podcast, like I want to be worked. I want the work to be so good that I get drawn in that, a part of me does believe it and that I fall for the twists and the swerves. I want that. That is one of the best things that you can get out of professional wrestling. And I feel like at some point after enough years of watching, you start to lose that. 
because you've seen it all before, right? All of the different twists, all of the different gimmicks, all of the different lines that get fed out in a promo to try to make you think one thing, the bait and switch, the misdirect, and you start to recognize them and it starts to make you think, "Mm, no, this is probably what's going to happen, even though they're making it look like this because of this, this, and this. In moments like this where I truly don't know where we're going, like that's the happiest place for me as a wrestling fan. I want to get worked. And this promo, it's working on me. I want the double turn. I want the (laughs) full on double turn. I want Wardlow to side with CM Punk and the two of them to beat down and abandon MJF all over again and him become the sympathetic hero of the people. Like, despite him being absolutely awful up to this point, that's what I want now. And that's an amazing place to be. Yeah, man, the Hogan Rock double turn WrestleMania um, or the Cody Rhodes, uh, Christopher Daniels double turn best in the world, whatever. Yeah, so I'm I'm with you. This is really fun. This is just raised the bar on this story because we were I, I, I told you I was surprised they did the match, their first match on TV, not at a pay-per-view. And I kind of wondered where they're going from here. And God damn, <laughs> like, this was this was great. Um, any other thoughts about this, Joel, before we moved on? We, we spent about 10 minutes talking about the uh, the segment. Uh, I just want to also give a little bit of props to CM Punk for coming out in such a way that leaves me wondering if he knew what MJF was going to say or not. Like that whole interaction felt like it could have been unscripted. And that again is like a really great place to be as a pro wrestling fan, to be wondering like, was he planning on going out there the whole time? Did he have some Mm -hmm. kind of a rebuttal promo planned for whatever MJF was going to say about him? And he had to can all of that. Like we don't know. And that's really cool. I really, really like that. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, Joel. Well, let's move on. Um, We've, we've said this before. AEW does a lot of things really well. They do a pretty damn good battle Royal. They've, they seem to know how to book these matches to keep us entertained. So let's go to the opening match of the night, the tag team battle Royal that had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 teams in it. So 20 people, just pure chaos. Um, I don't, it was more about the ending and the, the, the post-match stuff that we really wanted to touch on, but did anything stand out from you from this, this match as a whole before we get to that stuff? So one of the best things you can do in a battle Royal is to highlight feuds that have taken place before and see how interested the crowd is in retreading those grounds. And I think something that really surprised me was how interested the crowd was in revisiting best friends versus proud and powerful. Oh yeah. That got a (laughs) huge pop. And I was immediately taken back to the parking lot fight and Mm -hmm. how much we gushed about that match. I mean, when it happened, it was my favorite match in AEW, like up to that point. And I think I said that on the pod and it still stands out as one of the best matches in the history of the company. I, I would put it up mm-hmm. against almost anything else that has come since then. Um, if we did an award show in 2020, that would have been my match of the year. Yeah, like, easily. That was easily. so good. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. They did that a couple times too. Bucks and the FTR, they yep. referenced again. Um, yep, they they kind of touched on some... Um, 
was it Hardy family office stuff with uh, best friends as well. So um, they do a good, we talk, they, they respect their history and they know we remember it. So it's nice when they don't gloss over it. And yeah, that reaction was way bigger than I thought it would be. And I hope they take that into account and we get that again, maybe with an Eddie Kingston thrown in as a, uh, as a partner with proud and powerful, but um, let's kind of move here to the finish where uh, the final three were um, Matt Jackson, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Hungy. I love him in these spots. He just randomly gets put in these big spots um, on dynamite and he always like excels in them. So good job, Johnny Hungy, but mainly Kyle O'Reilly dumping both of them over the, the ropes with uh, faking an injury. Yeah. Faking an injury faking and then letting injury. Matt Jackson take uh John Silver and dump him to the outside. And then immediately after Silver gets dumped out, O'Reilly rushes in and dumps Matt Jackson over the top to get the win. And the Bucks were pissed. They were fucking furious. Um to the point where they they just let them get beat down when Hang- Hangman Page came out. And the reaction from the crowd where the Bucks were like, nah, fine, take them. And they rolled out of the ring. Like, whoa, I'm getting some elite vibes, baby. Like, this is, this could be really fun. Um, and then obviously Adam Cole coming out and uh, getting involved. And I, how cool is the Buckshot Lariat? Like, Bobby Fish, <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly took that like a champ. Like, it didn't hit cleanly, so he just kind of like destroyed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was also like seeing all six of them in the ring at the same time. It was a reminder that Adam Page is like head and shoulders bigger than the rest of them. Yeah, he's a big boy. There's a lot of shorties in this tag team match, by the way. I know it's FTR too. They're all face to face with like with yeah. uh, Red Dragon and the Bucks. But um, yeah, I, I thought this was really interesting because it's just further putting Adam Cole in the middle of these two teams, and it's gonna have to come to a head at some point and the writings on a wall. It seems like the bucks will win that casino battle Royal next week to set up a triple threat match with red dragon and jungle boy, Luchasaurus. And frankly, you could just take a Lucha boy, <laughs> Lucha boy, Luchasaurus and jungle boy out of the equation. I still would have been super hyped for this match. So a triple threat match with those three teams that could be oh, really be special chaos. And yeah. I don't think we've seen a triple threat tag team match on a pay-per-view for the I titles. Think so. um, I think we've so only had kinda... one triple threat title match. And that was the one with like what Cassidy pack and Omega last year. That sounds right. Yeah. So yeah, I love this. It's going to be so it, much it's fun. It's kind of a reminder that there's like so much ground established pro wrestling ground that has not been covered in AEW yet. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all of these first time matches that we haven't seen. And as we continue to move forward, like we're just going to get more and more of these things and see how AEW puts their own spin on this kind of match and what mm-hmm. these performers can do in those scenarios, which is really exciting. A lot of patience too. I remember those like GM modes in old wrestling games. My first pay-per-view would have every type of gimmick match you could possibly have. You know, we would have a Hell in a Cell and a cage match in the same night. How did they get those to hang from the ceiling? Fuck if I know. You're just Captain Crunch over there. Oops, all gimmicks. (laughs) Oops, oops, all gimmicks. Um, But yeah, so it's 
it's great. And I can't wait for Kenny Omega to come back and just add himself to this, this dynamic. I know like he only had surgery a few months ago and it's only February, but if anyone can make like a four or five month recovery, it's, it's that guy. I don't see him rushing back. I I think, you know, especially based off of some of the comments that were in his, uh, his recent interview Mm-hmm. that he gave and talking about the length to which he was injured and like the not being able to sleep at night because of the pain and not being able to take front bumps or basically any impact to his rib cage because of the hernia. And like, there's a lot of recovery that he needs to do. Uh, and this is I, wrestling I, though, man, he could be here tomorrow. <laughs> Pull an edge, pull John Cena. Again, worked, brother. (laughs) I hope he stays away longer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We are not hurting for challengers to Hangman Page. We are not hurting for storylines. We are doing great right now. And we can buy him some time to really and truly (laughs) heal his body and Mm -hmm. get back in a good place. Because, like... That's what we want. Like we've talked for so long about a rotating off season for wrestlers. And, you know, if, if we don't get that, but we can actually allow people proper time to heal instead of like pulling the John Cena Terminator move, like not everybody can do that. Not everybody should do that. Hell, John Cena might should not have done that, you know, like, <laughs> and I love him. He's like, yeah. he was my first favorite wrestler. <laughs> he's He's on Mount Rushmore, so. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on, Joel. And, um, I think the last thing we wanted to touch on here and stock up, stock down was Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston, uh, kind of promo off. Um, (laughs) I feel like this one was hurt by the fact that we had the MJF promo earlier in the night, at least for me personally, because I was just coming off such a high on that. And I didn't watch live. So like, I didn't actually know where in the show we were when this like mm. promo came on. Yeah. I think that but, makes like, a big difference. Yeah. Like I didn't know if we were halfway through the show, if we had like 30, 40 minutes left. Um, so I, I, this was fine. I mean, Eddie Kingston's always great. His delivery is just so human. Like he talks like, like I can't imagine anything he does is ever scripted. He seems more of like, here's a general guideline of what I'm going to say. And if I touch on these points, I'll touch on these points. Um, you had some interesting comments about how Jericho has been delivering promos here the last few weeks. Um, so Joe, why don't you, why don't you kind of share that with the the class? So I, I could be giving him too much credit. I could definitely it's, could be giving him too much credit. It's, he is it's very Jericho. possible. So we're going to lead with that caveat, <laughs> but it really feels like he's been intentionally sandbagging these promos in order to make Eddie Kingston look even better. Um, and it goes back before this particular promo. Like, go back and watch all of these Eddie and Chris Jericho segments. He is effectively selling for Kingston in these segments and then adding to it by his own promos being kind of bland and tired and ground that we've already covered. Uh, and that allows Kingston to just go off and shine and look that much better. Uh, it's the equivalent of somebody bumping like crazy in a match, uh, only it's taking place in a promo segment. And uh, it also 
kind of ties into what Eddie Kingston was talking about. Like, hey, you're not the same guy anymore. You know, if, if you want to fight mm-hmm. me, bring me the Jericho from all Japan. Bring me the Jericho who, uh, you know, fought this person. Bring me the Jericho who, you know, isn't friends with Paul Levesque. And, you know, <laughs> all those lines, like they hit so hard. And then um, I thought Jericho finished the segment really well by like just dropping his voice down, changing levels and, you know, having a pithy remark that wouldn't get under anybody's skin. And like that piece of it just doesn't feel like a Chris Jericho promo. Um, he's always been able to have some kind of a cutting line or or some kind of biting remark. And that just was completely absent. And it's been completely absent from this feud the whole time. And going into the way that he talked about Kingston with Santana and Ortiz and the two of them being like, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. He's confirming that he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I think it all ties together. Yeah, I think you're giving him too much credit. I just think he's just I just don't think it's good stuff. Um, It's it's. It's like you said, we've heard this before. The This kind of whole promo he did tonight is kind of the basis of the CM Punk Eddie Kingston feud that was built in less time than this. Um, you know, like this whole thing started with the, you know, Santana Ortiz wanting more respects and, and Kingston getting involved with that. And it just seems like, I don't know, it, it just seemed bland and generic and boring. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm excited for this match because I have liked the build. I've liked what has happened with Santana and Ortiz because um, I thought that was compelling stuff. I think um, Eddie Kingston should be on every pay per view, every show. Like this guy is a stud. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. Well, I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out. Um, I w- do want to give Jericho props for something, Joel. I just sent you a, a, a Twitter link in the chat. Um, he looks closer to his like Japan days with those abs running down his, uh, yeah. his gut. Where the hell did Jericho? Did he steal those from Kenny Omega while he's uh, rehabbing from injuries? Dude like, looks good. Like what the hell? We were talking about him looking doughy and chunky, like not to like shame him or anything, but like he was not looking in the best shape last fall. Like mm-hmm. this it's is kind this of is, like, is Jericho finally starting to look his age? And it's yeah. like, nope, no, he is nope. not. <laughs> nope. Nope. He probably was reading tweets like, fuck this. Like I'm going to stop eating uh road burritos or something. But yeah, he looks great. I'm hoping that it translates on the ring. Cause you know, he doesn't wrestle often. He looked really good in that tag match a few weeks ago. Um, but I'm hoping that, with Kingston, yeah, it's it's gonna be a brawl with Kingston. So let's be real; it's not gonna be doing a lot of uh, flippity doos or whatnot. I I wouldn't expect so. I mean, last <laughs> he did that flippity do last year where he almost broke his neck. So that did not look great. No, let's avoid flippity doos. All right, Joel, let's uh, let's move on to uh, lightning round. Lightning round. All right, Joel. God. We went through three topics, four topics, basically. And uh, Buddy Murphy, nope, nope, nope. Buddy Matthews is all elite. Arresto, you once compared to Kenny Omega. So, and I was not Joel, the only one. I know you're not the only one. I'm. That was not a dig. That was, I didn't believe you. And then I saw him work. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, 
the artistry isn't on the same level. Like Kenny Omega is a fucking artist in the mm-hmm. ring. But in terms of the the quickness, the way he moves around the ring, his move set, like that run that he had in uh, NXT after he came back as the best kept secret or whatever, and the matches he was having mm-hmm. on 205 Live, like really yeah. sensational stuff. And if possibly he looks even more jacked now. He's fucking huge. <laughs> like, like <laughs> It's outrageous. And I like that this felt like an initiation for him. This was a cool way to debut where it's like, I'm going to place this chair on the ground and you are going to stomp this man into the chair. Like we are an evil society and you must do something evil in order to gain admission. And Mm -hmm. uh, the way that Malachi was getting up in his face and grabbing him by the chin, like very paternalistic in a way that totally works for this group. And then you've Mm -hmm. got the big hulking Brody King just sitting back, watching it all happen. This was completely unnecessary. So the only point of doing it was to initiate Buddy Matthews in this extremely violent fashion. And he's going to show with like five tattoos next week because he's got a long way to go. To yeah, match he's got his, some catching his up stable mates. <laughs> yeah, no, this is awesome. Um, you know, we knew there was going to be a third man at some point to this group. Um, it, it, it's an w- interesting fit based off of their history, which I like that they actually referenced the history on Dynamite. Yep. Like, if you follow these guys, you know they had some pretty big stories in the other wrestling company. So um, it's going to be fun to see how they kind of explain this alliance. And is it going to be like a, um, uh, fuck, I am blanking on the name. Um, is this going to be a like true alliance? Is this kind of going to be one of those shaky, you know, Hey, you know, are we going to see some signs that maybe Matthews isn't really into this in a few weeks, something like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I think this is great. Um, he's such a talent. So, but yeah, Joel, what do you have for me? I really enjoyed the Jade Cargill versus the Bunny match. I thought this was really, really good. And right off the bat, I thought Jade had missed with her first big kick because it looked a little odd. And it's like, well, usually you would try to hit them in the head or the chest or whatever. <laughs> and it just looked weird. And then she started working the arm. And I was like, no, she didn't miss. She was intentionally kicking the Bunny's arm. And some of the spots in this match were really, really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I liked seeing a different side of Jade. This felt like the most technical that she's gotten in a match. And I was just really impressed with the fluidity of it. It felt like it had a better rhythm than a lot of her other matches have had to this point. And it Mm -hmm. just demonstrates the growth and development. They've also been putting her out there with very experienced wrestlers for these longer matches, which I think is a really good decision. Um, The bunny is definitely somebody who can, you know, call a match in the ring, guide somebody through it and make it look fantastic. And boy, was this match fantastic. Yeah. Also, I I guess they've always like the bunny that sorry. Jade has always looked really tall, like compared to like the bunny looks like eye to eye with her. Like, I don't know if that's just we've been having her face smaller people or something, but like it wasn't as big of a physical difference as I thought it would be when I saw the match, you know, announced on Twitter and saw it coming up. 
So that was interesting. And we we talked about how they kind of respect their history. They had Tay Conti come out and then the bunny attacked her. <laughs> like, yep. like she was coming out here to say she's challenging for the TBS championship. And I, did I hear right? That's at revolution. Yeah. Um, well, That's Jay awesome. said that on the mic, it has not been confirmed okay. to, to my awareness, but she said that on the mic before Ty ran and dove mm-hmm. into the ring and started the whole kerfuffle. Um, I, I like the way that they did this because normally you would see the challenger come out and hit a big move on the champion <laughs> to set this up. And what they were able to do was have the challenger hit her big move to look impressive, but hit somebody else. And then the champ still stands tall after mm-hmm. that massive pump kick. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And if looking at the Revolution Wiki, it does list it as a match, but don't know if it's going to be, you know, they've done that before where they've had a match and they ended up moving. It's like the Rampage or Dynamite before. So yeah. I guess I'll have to see, but that, that's fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting every week. I'm, I'm, I'm believing in Jade a little more. She's things are looking better. Things are looking smoother. Um, the character side, you know, was Sterling. Like she has the mouthpiece. They know what they want to present with her. It was just always the ring stuff with me. And it's, it's getting better every week. You can see improvements, 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 improvements. Um, and yeah, she, she has unlimited potential. <laughs> like, yeah, like there's no reason she can't be the Charlotte of AEW with her, her physique, her character, I mean, her build, like she's more akin to a Sasha Banks or a Bianca Belair. And I don't say that because they're all black. <laughs> I say that because they all have crossover potential to become yes. legit mainstream stars. Um, you know, Sasha Banks is someone who was in the Mandalorian. I could yeah. see Jade Cargill having bit parts in movies and TV shows. And that's what I'm referring to here. Uh, but yeah tremendous potential star power <laughs> big uh big night for people wwe apparently loves in MJF <laughs> and Cargill. Uh, i wonder why it's not that hard to figure out why they would want these uh these talents but um, well, maybe they shouldn't have said we are your family now <laughs> yeah it's a little fucked up um <laughs> a little fucked up like um, that's that's such a huge red flag. Like mm-hmm. such a huge red flag. I, if a company said that to me, I'd be like, "Yo, I'm out." <laughs> I'll, yeah. like, I'll look. I'll interview somewhere else. Um, I, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, Joel, and we didn't really we we talked about um, buddy buddy Matthews debut, but uh, Pentagon with the oh yeah badass entrance and the new gear and his. Man, sir, I don't remember his name. His man, sir, Alex Abrahantes. Alex, uh, Alex. Um, even him in full costume. We had the the shovel, little bit of, the little bit of gimmick infringement there. A little, little Undertaker gimmick he, infringement. A little uh, bit. He was looking a little Danhausen. Oh, uh, Alex yeah. was. Oh yes, yes. Um, but I like that they're treating this as kind of a different character. You know, like. I, I think he wrestled a little a little differently. It's it's still mostly mm-hmm. the same stuff, but um, you know, we we've talked about how when you interact with Malachi Black, you are you are touched, you are it stains, you are corrupted in a way. And this is cool as shit what they're doing with Penta. I was really curious how they were gonna get around the really tight spot they had booked themselves into because you've got Penta debuting a new version of his character. So mm-hmm. he can't lose. 
But then you have the Kings of the Black Throne are undefeated. They're supposed to be this super bad powerhouse. You can't have them lose. So they kind of worked their way around it by having Penta choke Malachi with his own. That was so cool. Miss. That was such a cool spot. Such like... a cool and clever spot. And then they get the beat down after the match with the new debuting talent. So a huge beat down too. Like that was yeah. like borderline uncomfortable level beat down they were doing. So yeah. So, so they don't come out looking like chumps. You haven't killed mm-hmm. the heat of your big, bad new tag team but you've also allowed this new character with Penta to get over and get a W. Yeah. I, I really like this. Honestly, I would kind of like to see, you know, with Phoenix out, maybe this leads to pack and Penta not getting along anymore and give those guys 20 minutes to work. Give us a main event of dynamite Penta dark or what they call them. Oscuro. Oscuro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, that was so, it was really well done. Really cool. So all right, Joel, you got something? Uh, yeah, we haven't talked about the freaking main event. <laughs> you know, it's a good show when the main event's like the ninth thing. We got Brian Danielson about. and Daniel Garcia in a technical showcase of mm-hmm. violence and brutality. And then we got Moxley coming out and this really cool post-match between mox and danielson and then garcia is like screw you dad and you know (laughs) goes and attacks moxley and you know eats a paradigm shift for his troubles and this whole dynamic that they're creating with these two is really cool and at this point i really want danielson to brutally beat down moxley and make him bleed in this match so that we get this stable of Moxley and Danielson, uh, you know, this kind of tough love academy. He's been tweeting Danielson Dojo uh, in some of his stuff recently, and I've I've seen some fans coin that term too. So that could be a sweet thing where it's, you know, these badass veterans with some, you know, upstart young guys who kind of embody that violence and physicality that you've mentioned. Um Worst case, we just get a match where they beat the shit out of each other for 25 minutes in Orlando. And that's fine with me, too. <laughs> like, you know, like this is really well done. And um, yeah. And Daniel Garcia, man, what a what a freaking talent. Like, like we've talked about, you know, oh, man, you know, what if they lose certain guys? Like they just they're finding these guys and putting yeah. them in positions to succeed and just show off. Which. Like I still, I'm still thinking of that Lee Moriarty Danielson match from last week with them yeah. on their heads slapping each other. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, I, oh man, so yeah, just fantastic stuff. Um, God, did we miss anything? Uh, oh, uh, no. I, we I had a Ricky Starks match. Yes, I mean that. I think is the main thing we haven't talked about. Everything else was like video packages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um which there was a really good Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa video package. And I'm hyped for this match. It's going to be really good. Nothing much else to touch on there yet. Um, but yeah, we got Ricky Starks uh, qualifying for the face of the revolution ladder match in a really good match. And I loved the finish. I thought it was so clever that he twisted tens mask so he couldn't see mm-hmm. and then hit him with a spear, like absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad also we got a, a a smaller guy inserted into this match. Yeah, 
<laughs> it was looking like a hoss fight. <laughs> I mean, you know me, Joel. I love a good hoss fight. We we've seen some good hoss fights, but I feel like you got to have a little little diversity in this match. Um, because yeah, Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse, Hobbs, and Ten would have been some fucking like that would have been some meat. That would have been some yep. meat. Yeah, some serious <laughs> muscle. Um, and Orange Cassie and Anthony Bowens are having a qualifying match on Rampage this week. Very nice. And I wonder if they're going to leave the sixth spot at TBD. They tend to do that. Yeah, I think it probably will be. Who was the TBD last year? Was it um, Page? Ethan Page? Yeah, I think it was okay. Ethan Page. And then we had Brian Cage in the casino one like the year yep. before. So it's a pretty big spot to be the surprise guest. Um I would love it if it was Cesaro just spitting people around for 20 minutes. Um, we can talk about that. His contract apparently expired and he has no non-compete. You know where I want to see him though, Joel? Where? Put him in the G1. Oh yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> just, just, just let him work. How long's the G1? It's like three weeks. Just oh, it's way at, longer than that. Way longer than that. Okay. Just banger after banger after banger. Him and Danielson, put both of them in it, and let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, Joel, I, uh, there's been other rumors. I don't know if you want to touch on them, but um, there's a rumor that your boy, Shane Strickland, yep. is AEW bound. Um, Jeff Hardy I, is basically confirmed at this point. <laughs> yeah. He also said, fuck WWE too. So Jeff Hardy is just ruining surprises here. <laughs> the most open secret in all of professional wrestling, like even beyond CM Punk levels of, we know this is coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny. I keep seeing these memes of like private party when Jeff Hardy joins AEW, and it's just like reactions or them being like, that have you seen that cartoon where like Rafiki throws Mustafa uh, Simba off of Pride Rock? <laughs> like it's like Matt Hardy <laughs> when Jeff Hardy shows up, private party, boom. Um, yeah, so yep, there, there's gonna be some interesting names tossed around here. Uh, there was rumors Jonathan Gresham was backstage last night. I know they have a Terminus show. What tonight? Yeah, Again, tonight Terminus too. I'll be watching. Yep. So I still have to go back and watch the first one. I so did good. see and random like, oh, that was really cool. I saw he had a match where. He won because the rope break limit had been reached. Yeah, that was and he basically at, cli- was that a terminus one. That was at the fir- first terminus. Okay, I just saw the clip of it this week. I'm like, holy crap! Okay, I, I, I think it was Jordan Grace basically saying like people say, oh, pure wrestling can't be fun, you know. And yeah, then her, like, she did the whole like broke woke thing, which yeah, is oh, like that's it. Yeah, broke pure rules puts limitations on creativity. Woke mm-hmm. pure rules allows for opportunities for creativity. <laughs> uh, and yeah, absolutely. I love pure rules matches. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I need to I need to get on the Terminus wagon. Um, what do you think of EC3 and uh, Braun Strowman's wrestling can we, promotion? Can we not ever speak <laughs> of it ever? Oh, you mean anti-vax <laughs> wrestling? I mean, it could just be called the MAGA Wrestling Association or something yeah. like that. But yeah, for real. Um, all right. Well, well, we'll focus on the fun indies, and yeah. Terminus is one of them. Yes, so. indeed. All right. Well, Joel, I think that covers everything. Um, we will get you our preview show next week um, sometime. And then, Joel, I will be at Revolution. So it's TBD on when we can record uh, our reaction show. Yeah, we may we just have to cover it on a regular out. weekly show. Um, yeah, I will. 
I land pretty early in the day on my, we don't have to talk about this now. Um, but I will be at revolution. Uh, I can't wait. Um, first time on a plane since the pandemic started. So hopefully I, you know, survive. I hear they still work. I, you know, it's just, they flap differently. You know, that's, that's what I'm here. The wings. Yeah. Don't let your arms get tired. I won't. I won't. You know, I'm going to try to glide my way once I hit like South Carolina. Um, but guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at the other wrestling show. You can follow Joel at the other Joel, me and Michael underscore Amanda. You can get the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever we are, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. There we are. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And Joel, what a, anything to say before I go and prepare for a blizzard? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.